Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6 this morning. Verses, the primary passage we're going to come out of is, is verses 6 through 10. We're going to be in other passages this morning, but that's going to be our primary text that we're coming out of. And if you've been with us throughout the summer, you know that we've been in a teaching series that's been entitled, That's a Good Question. And today is going to be the final message in this series. Pause for the awe. The, yeah, I know, right? Um, and next week, we're going to begin a new series in the book of Genesis where we're planning to go verse by verse through the book of Genesis. I'm totally excited about that. A lot of times we're up here preaching and weekly we say, you know, back in Genesis, it's, it's one of those books that's so foundational to our faith. And understanding this should help us to grow as disciples, as, as making disciples and, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples. So I'm excited about next week we're planning to start in the book of Genesis. And the question that I want to ask us this morning, our final question that I want to ask in this, this morning is this. Why am I always so broke? Why am I always so broke? Can anyone relate to that question? Why am I always so broke. Now, by a show of hands, if you could legally, legally make more money, how many of you would, would want to make more money than you're making right now? Just by a show of hands. Okay. My hand's in the air too. So what I want you to ask yourself is why? Why would you want to make more money? Money is an interesting topic. And you know, Jesus, I've been told spoke more about money than he did any other topic in the Bible. And when we talk about being broke, usually what we're talking about is trying to make it paycheck to paycheck, right? Everything that, that's coming in seems to go out, what, to pay for student loans, credit card debt, sometimes it's hospital bills, just trying to keep the lights on, or, or food on the table. And it, it never seems, we never can seem to, what Americans say, get ahead, right? And one of the things that we can, I can hear myself say, and I've heard over the years, is this. If I just could make more money, I wouldn't be broke. And I want to kind of look into that, whether that's a true statement or not. And as we're moving forward, I want you to ask yourself this. When you think about yourself... When you think about your financial state, do you think you're rich financially? Do you think of yourself to be rich? Because being rich is a relative term, isn't it? It depends on who you're comparing yourself to, right? So I've got a few pictures I want to show us this morning. And I want you to ask yourself, if you lived in this house, would you consider yourself to be rich? Okay, so let's start with this. The first, this right here, the Biltmore house. If you lived in this house and you could afford it, Okay, how many of you would say that, man, I'm rich financially? Okay, how many, okay, if you don't, raise your hand if you did not raise your hand, you don't think you would be rich. 
because I want to get to know you, really. If you don't think that's being rich in this world, okay? Second, let's go to the second picture here. How many of you, man, if I lived in that, I would, man, I would be, look at that pool. I could baptize people in it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Moving forward a little, a little further. And now, we don't have to keep raising our hands, okay? How many of you would say, man, if I had that, I would be rich. I would be rich. Keep going. Tiny house, right? That's a big, some people like have millions would be fine living and they would feel rich, all right? Keep on going. All right, now. This is, a, this is a house that would be in Burma, Asia, okay? This is something that you would see common in, the, in a third world country. But you see it's got running water. You see that on the outside? All right, let's keep on going. One more, I think. All right, this is a picture of, one of, uh, of a child who works in the Cambodian dump site. They literally live there, and they ravage through garbage, to find food. Let me ask you this morning, are you rich? Being rich is a relative term. And you know, the truth is, if you are in America, you are living in the richest nation in the richest time in history. That is the truth. But you know what the problem is? Most people living in America don't realize that and don't appreciate it. That is the truth. When you look at pictures of like the last one that I put up there, and you hear what's going on in our, what we're arguing about a lot of times. And I was listening to this sermon by Ethan Welch. He's the pastor of Bridge Church in Wilmington. And he gave some statistics that literally blew my mind as I began to listen about how rich we are. Here's, Here's what he said. He said, number one, if you make $9 an hourly wage of $9.50. He said that you're in the top 4% of the world. The top 4% in the world. And and think about this. In the U.S., most of us only have to work five days to provide for seven days of food. In a third-world country, that is unheard of. And then... There's some of us in this room who will be able to spend, if we want to, the last 20 years of our lives doing whatever we want because we will have had enough finances to enter into what we call retirement. Now, when I was growing up, I was talking to my dad, and I think most of you know my dad is from uh, Burma, Asia. He literally grew up in a bamboo hut out in in the tribes of Burma. And so I was like, Dad, how old, is it, how old are Burmese when they uh, retire? And he said to me, he looked at me, he said, they retire the day they die. Okay? In other words, in other countries, you work until you die. We live in a country that is rich. We're so rich that we take water and we wash our cars with it, we, we, put it on the, we throw it on the ground, right, and water our lawns, and we build these containers called pools, and we play in it while there are people in the world who go without clean drinking water. Now, I promise you, I'm not up here giving a, a, uh, trying to make anyone feel guilty, but I do want to put us in a, the right mindset, the right perspective, 
Because most of us this morning would not say, I'm rich. But I want you to realize, according to most people in the world, you are. And what does it mean to be rich? Being rich means that you have more than you need to live on. It's a simple, simple definition. It means that you have more than you actually need to live on. And so getting back to the question, why am I always so broke? That is a great question. As an American, why are we always, or why do we feel broke? Because many Americans are struggling. That's, no, that's not like some secret. Many Americans are under great financial stress. And I think there's two main reasons that this, is, this happens. Number one, there are real situations in life that leave us in a place where we can't provide for ourselves. We really cannot provide for ourselves. And, you know, back in John chapter 12, um, when Judas is talking to uh, Mary and said, why did you take that, that ointment and, and break it and pour it on and worship Jesus with, with that? And, uh, like, he was pretending like he really cared about the poor. And what does Jesus say? He basically says this. Okay, look, um, if you're worried about giving to the poor, don't worry, because they're always going to be among you. So no matter what country or, or nation we're in, there's going to be poor people that are in that place, not because of, of their fault, but because of, of a, we live in a broken world. And so there are legitimate situations that require some to receive assistance from those who are rich. And, you know, while I'm talking about this, I want to brag on this church. Um, this church is a, you guys are a giving congregation. Um, because of your generous gifts, we have over, we've only been uh, a church for about two and a half years. We're still crawling as a, as a baby church. But listen, as we, have, as we have been crawling forward, we have been able to pay for groceries, utility bills, hospital bills, We've been able to provide rent for people who have come down on hard times where they really couldn't provide for themselves and give uh, financial assistance to those who are in need. And just so you'll know, we have a process. If someone is wanting uh, help from our church, we have what we call a, uh, a benevolence team, and we will have you sit down, and the individual will sit down and will talk to our team, and they will assess your needs and see if, if we can help you financially. We want to be good stewards of what God gives us, so we, we want to make sure that we're investing it in the right way and giving it to, to people who really need it. But I just wanted to just thank you guys for your faithfulness to, to giving from your abundance joyfully. This is a joyful, joyful giving church. And while I'm talking about this, it ex I'm getting excited because I want to be a church that is known for giving. Why? So we'll be a church known for giving? No. Because that is a, that's a reflection of the gospel. Christ, what did he do? He poured out all his blood, didn't he, for us. And so we, that's a picture of Christ's, the gospel, when we're freely giving forward. And so this morning, you might be broke. You might really be broke because of uncontrollable circumstances. But there's a second reason that you also might be broke, and it might be, be because it's your fault that you're broke. You've taken that which God has entrusted to you, and you've mismanaged it. You haven't 
done with it what you should have. And so instead of just leaving us there, I want to talk about how do we correct that. How do we correct that if we're in the second group where you, it's your fault that you've gotten all this debt and you're in a place where you're broke all the time? And so that's where we're going to go to 1 Timothy and chapter 6. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy. And he's, he's giving him instruction on how he needs to shepherd the flock of Jesus that he has been entrusted with. And in chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, we're not going to read that, but he basically warns Timothy that there are going to be people in the church that, that confuse you, that will cause uh, problems, they're troublemakers. And these people, they take the, the uh, things of God, they take God, and they think that, that they can use God for financial gain. They imagine, he says, that godliness is a means to financial gain. And that is a corrupt mindset. We need to understand, trying to get rich financially off of the gospel is horrible And it is a corrupt mindset. And let's pick up in verse 6. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. So we come into this world holding nothing, and we leave it empty-handed. Job says in Job 121, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we need to understand that the things of the world are meant to be used while we are in the world. We don't want to just stockpile it and it not get used while we're in the world for the glory of God. Because they are going to remain after we leave. It's kind of like if you have a gym membership and you go into that gymnasium, you go in with nothing, uh, you go to the equipment, you use it, and you leave it, and you go out. That's what this world is like. We want to make sure that we're using to the fullest max what God has put into our hands. Because once we're done here, we're not taking it with us. And Paul says that godliness with contentment is great gain or great wealth or it's great Riches. So, question here, what is godliness? What is godliness? Well, godliness is living your life submitted, remember we talked about submission a few weeks ago, submitted to God in such a way that it reflects who God is. Living your life in a way that that reflects who Jesus is. And what is contentment? What is contentment? Contentment is the state of being satisfied completely satisfied, lacking nothing, being content in your circumstances, being content in, your, in the lot that God has given you in life. Let me ask you this. Are you content right now where you're sitting? Are you content with what you have? Are you content with the finances that God has given you. Let me ask you this, this, if the answer is no, how much is it going to take? How much do you need to be truly content? Have you put a number on that yet? And maybe you're here this morning, you're believing a lie 
that if only you were richer, if only you had more money and you could buy more stuff, you'd be content. Now, that's a lie that I, I'm not up here acting like I don't struggle with that. I struggle with that on a regular basis. This is something that we all need to be aware of in our life. But are you content? According to Robert Frank of the Wall Street Journal, when he's talking about if you're rich or not in richness, he says richness exists in relation to what we have and what we want. There's a relationship between what we have and then what we want. For someone who makes $25,000 a year, $50,000 would afford countless luxuries. There's, this study shows that most people think if, if, if you take what you make and you double it, man, I would be rich. That's the thought. And then you double it, and what happens? But someone making 100000 a year would consider it a pittance or inadequate in amount. Have you lived long enough to know that truth. If I could just make, I remember when I was um, first married, I was like, man, if I could just make 10 bucks an hour, that's 20,000 a year. Every individual's benchmark, look, listen to this, every individual's benchmark for wealth increases in proportion to their current net worth. In other words, the more we have, the more what we want. The more we have, the more we want. Typically what happens is you're making this, you live here. You make a little bit more. Oh, I can, I can spend a little bit more. It keep, it's, it's this ladder that you keep trying to stay ahead of, and you can never truly get ahead. And, and so studies have shown that the more you make, listen, this is interesting. The more you make, the more people make, studies have shown the less generous you get. And the more we have, the more we want, and often the less grateful we become. When I'm building a house for somebody, you know who I like to build houses for? Somebody that's never had one. I love building for people that have never had a house before because they're so grateful for it. But if I build a house for someone that's had five houses, they know what they want now. And it can be, sometimes it can be very difficult to build when we've had a lot, or to be grateful when we've had a lot. And so the reason many are broke financially today is not, is not because we don't make enough money. That is not the reason that most of us are not, that are broke financially. But it's because we're broke spiritually. There's something in us that's broke that needs to be fixed. And we lack, and here's what it is, we lack in godliness and contentment. Therefore, Therefore, we become poor managers of what God has put into our hands. And when we're discontent, this is what happens in my life. I spend what I have, and I borrow what I don't have to purchase what I think I should have, hoping that it will bring contentment. But the truth is, that is corrupt thinking because being content has very little to do with how much material possessions you have. I say little because there is some, it's not totally that you don't need anything. Because in verse 8, look what Paul says. But if we have food and clothing, with this we will be 
content. Now that, that word clothing can mean covering. So some translations translate it as shelter. So there's three things Paul's saying here. Is if I have food, if I have clothing, and I have shelter, I'll be content. Let me ask you this this, this morning. Do you have food? Do you have shelter? Do you have a place to sleep tonight? Are you content? you got to answer that question. Okay? Then according to the Word of God, if you have those three things, you have everything you need in this world to be content. So godliness plus contentment equals true riches. Godliness plus contentment. That is what... You want to feel rich? You want to have a rich soul, live a godly life, and be content with what God has given to you? And you will realize how rich you are. Because in verse 9 it says, But those who desire to be rich materially fall into temptation, into a snare. Have you ever been seen an animal caught in a snare? It is an ugly thing. It is a snare into many uh, senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Pursuing, pursuing, I want to make sure you're hearing me, pursuing material wealth. It could be wanting to make more money and pursuing that, or wanting to be famous, uh, wanting to, to go viral, wanting to be praised by everybody. You know what? Everything I just mentioned, I struggle with. So I'm not like throwing anything out. I want you to know I struggle with this too. But when I, if I pursue that, the Word of God says it's a snare that will lead to destruction. And then verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs or griefs and sorrows. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. What, what does it mean to love something? What does it mean to love money? Well, love, if you love something, you, you set your heart on it, don't you? And then whatever you set your heart on, you begin to pursue. You pursue that which you love. And God says you can't serve God and money. You've got to choose which one you're going to serve. And let me tell you, according to the Word of God and, and the experiences in my life, money is a dangerous and destructive God if I pursue it. So is God saying that having money and possessions is evil? Should we go and sell everything we have and give to the poor and live on the top of a mountain? Can I just tell you that the answer is no to that? I tried that one time. I think I told you that earlier this year. Didn't go well. No, there are, if you study the scriptures, there are many individuals who were just filthy rich. I mean, they have much more, the Biltmore house would be nothing to them. But here's the, here's the key to this. They didn't pursue that. God gave it to them. God gave it to them while they pursued him. Okay, there is such a difference. 
Because I'm not up here saying don't work, don't go to work and just lay around and hope that money falls out. You know, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's, it's what are you pursuing? What are you giving yourself to? What are you sacrificing? Because to follow God, you have to sacrifice something, right? And to follow money, you have to sacrifice something. What are you sacrificing? What are you pursuing? Godliness is to pursue God. He is what I'm pursuing, and, and I'm, I am not going to worry about the rest of my finances. Doesn't mean I'm not going to plan, and that, I'm not saying that. And we'll get to more about this in just a second. But being rich, again, means that you have more than you need to live on. I want you to think about this. If, if that's the true meaning of what it means to be rich, do you have more than you need to live on? Are you rich? And I'm going to answer that for myself. I'm going to say, yes. According to that, I am rich. And guess what? God gives us instruction. Those who are rich, he gives us some instruction. And it's a few verses down. It's verse 17 in chapter 6. He says, teach those who are rich. Okay, so I'm going to teach you guys something uh, that Paul told me to teach you. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So if God has blessed you with material wealth, and most of us he has, he says, number one, do not trust in it. Don't be proud. Don't trust in the things that he has given you. Don't worship the blessing. Worship the giver of the blessing. And then he says this. He's saying also saying this, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty if God has given it to you. God, why? Because God, he is a good, I almost sang this song this morning. He's a good, good father, isn't he? That's who he is. He's good. How many, parents, how many of you, or anybody in this room for that matter, how many of you get a gift for someone, you give it to them, you're like, man, I hope they, don't, I hope they feel guilty about this. <laughs> I, typic, I typically don't do that. I, when I give my wife a gift or, or a friend, I want them to enjoy it. I want them to be grateful for it. If, it's, if I give it to my kids, I even want them to share it. Right? You love seeing, God loves seeing us share. So he says, gratefully and humbly enjoy. Enjoy what God has put into your hands. Secondly, or thirdly, he says, verse 18, he says, tell them to use their money to do good. Money, what is money at, at, at the end of the day? Money is power, isn't it? For enough money, I could get someone to come up here and sing the Star-Spangled Banner, right? If I paid you enough, if I just said, will somebody come up here and sing it right now? Will somebody come up here and sing that right now? Okay, if I paid you $1,000, would somebody, Tim's got his hand up, see? <laughs> I'll do that for $1,000, right? Money is power to get people to do, or to do things, right? And so he says, take that power and use it for good. They should be rich in good works. I love this. And generous to those in need, always being ready to share with, uh, always being ready to share with others. It's like this, who can I bless with what I have? By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Boy, this is the gospel, this verse right here. 
uh, verses 18 and 19. This is a picture of what Jesus did for us. He was rich in what he poured out upon us. Godly, um, being godly and content, it helps us, it enables us to enjoy what God has put into our hands and then to use it to bless others. So, What's the secret? If, if contentment is the, the key here, what is the secret to being content? Because a lot of people are not content. Many of us in this room, we all struggle with that. Well, here's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, I have learned, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Okay, we know Paul went through some weird circumstances, didn't he? He says, I've learned to be content in that. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the what? I have learned the, the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering. I love this, the word learned in here. Because what Paul's saying, I, I haven't always known this. I learned it. I had to be taught this. He says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I have learned the secret of being content when I have more than I need or when I'm hungry. Now listen, just because that means that just because you have a lot does not mean you'll be content. And just because you're broke doesn't mean you have to be discontent. And Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, take care, beware, pay attention. And be on your guard against all covetousness. What's covetousness? Covetousness is when you look at your neighbor and you see what they've got. Then you look back over at yourself, you look at what you got, and you see they got, in your mind, more or better than what you got, right? It's kind of like going out to eat, and you're sitting at the table, and you order the same thing as somebody else, and they bring the plate out, and they got more on their plate than you do. This happened just Friday, right? Your plate did have more, more than mine on it, but I was content. I was content, okay? It's, you, you suddenly go like, wait, that's not, that's not what? That's not fair. That ain't fair. I deserve better or more. Better, right? Um, but the problem with that, listen, at the bottom of covetousness, what, why that is such a horrible sin is because you're basically looking at God and saying, you know what? I don't like what you've given me. I don't like the gifts you've given me. Um, I deserve better. And Jesus says, be on guard against that, against covetousness. Always wanting more, always wanting to protect yourself so there's nothing going to come in and, and take you down, right? For one's life, he says this, does not consist. Pay it, let's pay attention to this. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. More earthly possessions does not equal more life. More earthly possessions does not equal more life. So what is the secret of being content that Paul learned? Well, he, he keeps going in verse 13. 
I can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens, strengthens me. Now, what does that mean? Okay? I mean, that's a great, man, yeah. What, is, what does that mean? Because I know that this verse can sometimes be misused and t- kind of taken out of context to say, you know, uh, you want to win the Super Bowl? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's not in context. That's not what Paul's talking about. What Paul is, is talking about is that no matter where God has placed me in life, wherever he's sent me, wherever he's positioned me, I can find contentment wherever he has me through Jesus, through Jesus who gives me strength to be where God has placed me and to be content. Whether God gives me much or God gives me little, whether I'm surrounded by trials and temptations and tribulations, or I'm, I'm sitting back on the beach for three weeks just chilling. When I, when I feast upon Jesus in, either, in any of those situations, my soul finds contentment and satisfaction that surpasses worldly understanding. So, I love what John Piper says. He says, the secret to being content. Get this. The secret to being content is having Jesus be our ultimate treasure. That is is the secret to being content. And, you know, as I was preparing for this message, I began to think about some of the places I've been in life and when I've been content and when I haven't been content. And um, when Kelly and I were... uh, getting back together. Um, I hadn't worked in a while. I had given everything away. And so, as you might think, uh, we were, my finances were in shambles. I'm in the category, it's my fault that I was in shambles. And so we uh, weren't making much. I was making nine bucks an hour under, underneath that golden $10 place. And we were living in this house that we could afford that was built, I think, literally was built back in the 1920s. And the lumber was actually logs that they had taken and just cut the top of them off and made them flat so they could put the floor down on top of it. And it was, had shifted. The foundation was literally sitting on rocks. If you went around, it was ro- rocks. Um, we painted the walls in there, and we painted it and come back the next day, and the paint had like something. It was just like rolled, rolled down to the floor. Like, man, this is a safe place. And... Uh, one night we were sitting on the couch and I heard this noise in the kitchen and I got up and there was uh, the uh, back of the refrigerator cord was jiggling and I looked and there was a rat that had like somehow gotten under the baseboard. There was a crack big enough for it to get, and it was trying to pull the, the uh, refrigerator into the basement, into the crawl space. <laughs> and so it's one of those crawl spaces that, you know, the door, they used to some them doors, you know, and it's just weird. And so I was like, all right, I'm taking care of this rat. So I go to the uh, hardware store, and I don't know if they sell these anymore, uh, but um, it was on them big rat killers, you know, you, where you have to put your foot on it and pull it back, and you hope that it don't bite you. We put, I put cheese on it, went home, uh, went upstairs. The next day, I came back down, and the, the trap was like upside down. I was like, got him, turned it over, and it was empty. I was like, man, what's down here? And there was a note that said, I like cheddar. So it's, it, it was like it was like really dangerous place. So we um, 
So I was, as you might imagine, I'm tempted. Um, man, I'm broke. I really am broke. And uh, I don't know what to do. But here's what I did. I didn't, I, I didn't, we couldn't afford cable TV or any of that kind of stuff. The internet actually didn't exist back then. So it, <laughs> so um, I would come home, I'd go to work, I'd come home, spend time with my family, and then I would, for entertainment, I would lay on the couch and read the Word of God. I would read the words of Jesus. And let me, let me, I want to share the exact, one of the exact passages that my mind went back to, because we're talking about contentment, right? And maybe you're struggling with this this morning. You're thinking, man, my finances are so horrible. I'm, I'm going down. Here's what I, I read from Matthew 6, 25. I just want to read through it and let you hear what Jesus says. He says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat See, I was worried about what I was going to eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I would stop there and think about, is, is life more than food? Is life more than clothing? And, and begin to meditate on that. And then he says, Jesus says this, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Am I more important than a bird? You are. You are much more important than a bird, but birds are important to God. How much more important are you? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, now this is amazing, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Solomon was one of the richest men to ever walk on the face of the earth. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. The, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, they pursue these things. They put that right in front of themselves and they're, that's what I'm going after. Don't be like them. You, you're my child. You're my disciple. You're, you're mine. He says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. It's not that you don't need them, but know that your dad knows that you need them. And then here's, here's, the, here's what we're supposed to do. But seek or pursue first his kingdom and his righteousness. You see the godliness there? Live a godly life. Seek to honor God in your life. And all these things will, not might, will be added to you. And so I had to, in that moment, as I laid there, I had to ask myself, do I believe Jesus? Is this really true? If I will, in other words, I will quit trying to pursue and worry about what I am or what I'm not in the eyes of people and whether or not I'm going to make um, uh, food for my table. If I don't have to worry about that, I just need to do what he's called me to do today. 
is if that's true, then what he says is, I'm going to make sure you get what you need. I'm going to make sure that you don't go hungry. Now, I say that. Paul went hungry sometimes following Christ. But he was content in that. And so I began to have to bring myself back around to the truth. And so what I did was I went to work. I was faithful at work. Came home. Was faithful to Joshua. Was running around as a one-year-old. Um, I was faithful to be a part of the body of Christ. And God began to do things. I, I, it sh- we should not be here today if I wrote it all down. It just doesn't make sense. But God provides for his people. Doesn't he? God provides for his people. And so anytime I began to think that I deserve better than what I have, what I will do is I will go and I'll ask the question, what do I really deserve? Um, how do we know what we deserve? Well, we go to God. God, what do I deserve? And he answers, answers me. He says, see that cross right there? My son, see him hanging there? He says, that's what you deserve. That's what you deserve, James, because of your rebellion, because of your sin. But guess what? He doesn't stop there. He goes, but because I love you, he got what you deserve. And when I begin to realize that, the riches of Christ begin to flood my soul. And I begin to be content with what God has, has given to me. And I begin to be a vessel of worship and praise. And I begin to be very generous. I want to use everything he puts in my hand to invest it. If he gives me something to enjoy, I want to say, how can I help? How can I use this to let others enjoy it also? We begin to live our lives like that. And let me ask you this. What would your life be if you're fully content? What would your life be like today if you were fully content in him? What would you do with your money differently? What would we do differently as a church if we are content, growing in godliness? Well, let's do do that. Let's grow in godliness. Let's grow in contentment and see what God does through his people. Because when we are content in Christ... We're going to want to help others to find that same contentment. And we will joyfully lay down our lives and invest all our resources in making the name of Jesus known throughout the time that he's entrusted us to live on this earth. Amen? Amen.